Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. So, Morris, welcome to is it show 102? 103, mate. 103. 103. I'm always one step no, you, behind. You're right. Sorry. 102. I beg your pardon. I'm thinking of the post oh. that I did earlier in the week. Sorry. Oh, marvellous. That's right. What have we got this afternoon then, Simon? So, um, so today we're asking the very, very serious question um, about why is it that in the 21st century that um, streets, bars, nightclubs um, and other places aren't safe places for women? Um, and why, sadly, it seems to be that actually some of the solutions need to um, are still having to becoming, you know, women are having to solve those and make those places safer for themselves. So um, a very serious topic for us to, to get into. Um, and we have um, some some esteemed guests joining us to give us some insight on, onto that issue. Indeed we do, because at the, the risk of attempting to mansplain an issue, which we know we are not capable of. Um, so, welcome to the podcast, uh, Natasha and Emma. So, can I just ask you to introduce yourselves, um, the organisation you represent, and, you know, what your interest is in this particular topic? And if, Natasha, I could start with you. Hi, yeah. So, yeah, I'm Natasha Lady. I'm the Welfare Officer for the Students' Union. Um, and not only... So, this became... Um, one of my legacy projects was to talk about uh, safety on Nice Out and safety in the general public. Um, so that's one reason, but in general, just because of lived experiences of friends, family, myself, it is something that we're all passionate about and want to look out for one another on. Marvellous. Thank you, Natasha. And Emma? I'm um, Emma Cherry, and I um, run a Facebook page called Spike Aware. Um, uh, my niece was spiked um, going back a few months ago, and it's um, something obviously I'm a bit passionate about because mm. not a lot was done about it. No, we'll, we'll come on to several of those issues later, Emma, in terms of whether the the response is appropriate. I think we were expecting a third guest, Simon. Uh, yeah, we were. So I'm just trying to frantically scrabble around behind the scenes just to see if our third guest was okay. But yes, we did have um, Mariam, uh, which was due to join us, who's the um, who's the co-founder of um, Portsmouth uh, Black Lives Matter. So we're just just trying to sort out the technical stuff behind the scenes. So if I look frantically like I'm trying to do stuff in the background, that's because I am. Marvellous. Do you want me to carry on with the question, Simon, or do you want to um, yeah, so I can I can uh, start with the um, with the with our the first question. So, so you gave us a bit of a um, a, a bit of an explanation um, there, Emma, which was um, you know so without kind of you know we're obviously we're quite clearly two middle aged guys, so we're not necessarily aware of actually what are the sorts of situations that um that women are facing what's the what's the sort of attacks and harassment um that are getting uh, that are getting reported um would either of you want to go first on that one i don't know if natasha's had more insight um i think it it varies because there are some there are day-to-day -day things that happen that people report as long with more serious issues so it really does vary so there's the what you would call less serious issues that are 
such as catcalling, things like that, to the more horrific um, sexual violence. And it really is, it, they're all um, sexual harassment, but there is just a very varied one. Okay, so the, you know, so there's all all sorts of things, kind of various different different levels, and to, and to you know, quite different extremes of, of severity. Is is that the sort of thing that you're? You, you, yeah. You're, you're, so you know. most women could, and many men will be able to say about that, that they've experienced some sort of sexual harassment in their life. So it really does depend on their own experiences, and it will be, um, yeah, things such as catcalling or touching or grabs, which are quite frankly quite often daily occurrence for some people and then there will be the more serious ones such as when people have been spiked and as you said Emma um, and and then sometimes after that incidents will happen such as rape or other violent um, acts. Okay thank you very much Um, and Emma did you have anything that you wanted to add on that one? Um, I think I, I mean like Natasha was saying basically there's (laughs) <laughs> sorry, I just read the message. Sorry. Um, uh, uh, could you repeat that again, please? Because it's just literally that it's been mixed up a bit. No, it? I'm so sorry. Yeah, sorry. We yeah, we no, did. It's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. just like you said, a bit of a. <laughs> yeah, we'd we'd originally planned to order the order the questions who we went to first, um, and yeah. unfortunately, as luck as luck would have it, um, the guest that we'd planned to 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 give that question to the first is is the one that sadly hasn't been able to make it um to the live stream so sorry that's kind of thrown both of our guests for a bit of a curveball so <laughs> apologies to that um that's not you know we're not normally to do that that's a bit it's a bit mean from a starter um but um unfortunately that's kind of um how the how the evening's planned out but it'll get better honest um so yeah our 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 question was um was really kind of what sorts of you know what sorts of things are um are being reported to you what sorts of things are, are you kind of hearing about what's the what's the experiences that women and girls are facing the main ones that i'm getting obviously because i, I run the spike aware um facebook page is basically people being spiked either with like needles or um with tablets put in their drinks um waking up in weird strange places um so for me that's all that like obviously that's being reported to me at the moment um Obviously, Natasha's is different because obviously she works with the um, university, so she has all sorts come to her. Okay, that's great, and I'm pleased to say that we do have now. We do now have Mariam as as, as joined us. So, um, thank you very much for for joining us. It was a very late invite, so we appreciate you. Um, um, you really sorry, in. I was having some problems trying to connect. I was trying to connect to my iPad, but the iPad said no. Oh um, no. Oh God! Oh, well, well, thank you for struggling through the the technical details. Um, we're glad to have you. Thank you for persevering. Um, I don't know if you um, if you wanted to. Do you want to catch a breath and then we give you a chance to introduce yourself? Or you're all right to do that now. Oh, hit me! I'm I'm Gucci. Right. Um, okay. So, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and the group that the group that you represent, that'd be great. Um. So my name's Mariam Daniel, and I'm co-lead of Portsmouth Black Lives Matter. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Marion. Thank you for joining us. Um, and I, I don't know if you, in your struggle to get in, um, I don't know whether you caught that um, that question, which was about what's what are the sorts of um, incidents that you, that are, that women and girls are reporting to you. What's what's what are people experiencing? I, I did, yes. Um, so I think with that question in general, we've always got to be quite aware of where we ask it. Um, obviously, as as males, it's slightly different, but every single woman does have a story and I think even those where black people get microaggressions people don't realize sort of the 
undercover nuances that women get on a daily, um, a daily, daily occurrence. Occurrence. Sorry, mm. a long day. Um, so there's there's a lot that goes in my thing. A lot of the time, men aren't aware of the small little things like the barmaid whose arms being grabbed, or who's or kind of getting your ass grabbed, or things like that. And I think with that question. I think it's more asking as men, what have you noticed? Um, as it is a lot of the time, men who do this towards women, I'm not saying it doesn't happen towards men, but a lot of the time it is men who do this towards women. So as men, I like to sort of chuck that question back and be like, okay. what have you noticed? Yeah. Um, well, fair play. Thank you very much. I mean, to be fair, that was one of the things we were, Ian and I were both quite conscious of. We're quite clearly uh, two middle-aged men. Um, and our experience of this situation is is going to be different, and that's why we wanted to you know wanted to listen to what um, what experiences you were hearing in the community and and um, and you know the the sorts of the sorts of um, things that, that that people are reporting to you and the things that that you're seeing. Um, you know, from a from a personal point there of view, there are always I've... like loads of websites out there as well, like mm -hmm. loads of different articles. Yeah, um, I always get people ask me questions about being black, and I always use a response. <laughs> There's Google, and I say to women, um, if a man asks you about what it's like being a woman, you response that there's Google, that like we don't have to go through our trauma to always educate someone. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I appreciate that. Um, what you know, we we're, we're here to make sure that that um that you've got a you know there's there's time and a space for you to be able to actually get that view across and to help us educate people. Um, and that's kind of that you know that's kind of part of the thing. So um, we appreciate you sharing those experiences um, with us because that hopefully will help move the move the education yardstick as it were as it were. Um, so to that end, uh, I, I guess you know uh, Natasha, you highlighted that there is a there is a very wide spectrum of of you know the, these activities being reported. When they are reported, what what sort of support do women receive when they've um, when they come forward? Um, so once you report it to the police, um, you get allocated a single point of contact to it as an officer. Um, so they support you throughout it. Um, they'll explain what's happening at each step, answer any questions you might have. Um, with your um, consent, refer you through to specialist support advocacy services, such as an independent social, um, an independent sexual violence advisor. Um, and they also offer kind of uh, suggestions to use rape crisis or victim support and that sort of thing. Um, and then within the university, we have our wellbeing service for students, um, which they've got processes in place um, for any crisis the students are going through. Um, and I know there's various local places such as parks as well. And, and so it sounds like the provision for the at the more serious end is 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 in place. Um, and again, I, I'm choosing my language very carefully. You know, um, Mariam talked of microaggressions, and you you spoke about the the less serious uh, end. Of, how seriously is that taken? You know, that that kind of that lower level harassment. It is taken seriously because those are what create social norms and they lead to those more serious mm. cases. Like they lead to the violent ones happening because it, by catcalling and by touching and by acting in those sorts of ways, you create a social norm around those, which makes the more violent actions seem seem more normal as well. And it just, they all build up. So every single level is taken seriously. 
Thank you, Natasha. Emma, so if I can just bring you in, I think you you said, you know, when you shared a little bit of your niece's story when when um, she was spiked, perhaps she didn't get the, the support that you would have hoped for? No, and so also a lot of the, the girls that came forward, um, when they saw my niece's story, they also went through the same, um, basically, they never had the... Backing from the police, it was um, they were told that they had to go to the clubs where they were um, spiked and seen footage. They were all sent, um, like sort of, you know, to go to QA to go and get blood tests. When they went to QA, they were told that the um, that the police had to have given them a number before, or they had to request the blood testing. Um, they were literally pushed from pillar to post um, to, mm. in the end, none of them they all felt that what was the point in going to the police nothing was going to be done about it and so and nothing still has been done about it um there was a young girl that in Cosham that was found in Cosham she woke up in Cosham she lived in Gosport was came from Gosport woke up in Cosham and um had no recognition of how she got there her parents took her to the police um they were told to go to have a blood test the blood um QA um, told them to go to St Mary's, St Mary's told them to go back to the police, go to your doctors and in the end they just thought what is the point and they just, they've done nothing about it and this is being reported by a lot of the girls that have come to the group in their eyes it does sound you know a, 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 a very poor response to what is a, a pretty serious act of violence so Mary, can i invite you in what what level of support are, are, are you know women that you're you're working with getting in terms of when they report these actions um so normally if i talk about other people's stories as ones that they've shared themselves but i've hmm. always been um very open talking about my story um a lot of the times when it is at the extent of rape, sometimes it is by people you do know most of the time, sometimes it isn't. Um, and I think people don't realise that. No one talks about um, that there's no actual way to recover from it. Um, in my case, when it happened to me, I didn't report until two months later. And so I saw the person um, in a club, they tried to hello to me and then I hit them, which I'm not a very violent person and got me kicked out. Um, and security's reaction to that was just tell the police. Um, I then went to wellbeing as I'm a student, um, as Natasha said, and they helped me get in touch with treetops. Um, and then with treetops, uh, it was scheduled for testing, but they helped me do my videos there and I got allocated my actual officer who was, who was great. Um, but unfortunately the officer changed and there was where the legal system is so naff, to put it simple, nothing mm. ended up happening. Um, but the counselling that I received from Parks did help, but that doesn't mean justice. Um, and I feel like I always, if I talk to someone, I always say go to Parks, go to wellbeing, because it's so important to be able to heal from it properly. And there's no correct way to recover from it. Um, but it is a really traumatic experience for anyone to go through. Um, it, it's a violation. And, and Mariam, thank you for sharing so openly. And um, um, what we will ask is that obviously when we put this episode up as a podcast, we will obviously include any and all links to those support organisations who can support anyone who's experienced um, something this terrible. Okay. Um, thank you both. Um, so 
obviously to um spiking spiking someone's drink is is you know obviously it's effectively um effectively poisoning them um so it, it, you know we we talk about you know what what experience are, we, are women uh, facing when when they try to report those things but in the circumstances where um a case does take for get taken forward um and uh, criminal prosecution take place what's what what sort of legal deterrent is there what sort of sentencing would would someone be likely to face um if they were if they were found guilty of that sort of thing and if i can direct that question first to emma if that's okay it's um holds a maximum of 10 years life sentence um sorry 10 years um sentence year sentence um but the thing is uh since 2015 there's only been nationally the newspapers have reported only 102 cases that have actually gone to court so as a deterrent I don't think really, to be fair, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's the years, you know, it's perfect, but unless it's getting prosecuted, people are getting prosecuted, what is the point? There's no point to it. That, that's a horrendously no, low um, very, conviction yeah, you know, low. figure, isn't it? That's and I mean, So that's just the number of cases, that's not even the number of convictions. Exactly. That, um, that yeah, I, I don't really quite have words for that, that's, yeah. But that yeah, kind of speaks well, no, to convictions. Yeah, um, you know, nationally, that's what mm. the um, newspapers have reported. Yeah, but you go. I mean, literally on my group, Facebook group, I've got like over two, three hundred followers. Um, a majority of them are young girls that are too scared to come forward because they know nothing's going to get done about it. This is, you know, the issue. It's, it's okay, you know, when the, some girls have gone forward and they've reported it to the police and basically they've been chucked from pillar to post of what they should be doing. Um, they, they just give up. Who's going to believe them? That's the majority of what it is. Who's going to believe them? Yeah, that's a, um, again, that's a horrendous situation and you can, if they're not, you know, if what you're saying is when they do come forward, the response that they're getting from the police isn't, isn't, you know, you know, isn't isn't that helpful? And you know, they're not being believed and not listened to and not not um, not treated in the right way. Um, it's just a shocking kind of unseen thing. Is there? And would either of you like to to come in any further on on that? I would say going through it, um, it feels like you're almost a victim. Not a victim. It feels like you're the perpetrator. Um, actually, going through through it with the police and reporting my case and it being taken nowhere. Um, the amount of different questions they ask you, it feels like you're the one that's done something wrong. Um, mm. And I don't blame people for not wanting to go forward when you see the cases, such as what underwear are you wearing? Um, also, as the one that's the victim, why do we have to feel like we've done something wrong when you are a victim? Like cases of spiking have gone up. I think in the last two months alone, there have been 200 cases of spiking reported um it's almost like nothing we can do is protecting us and the legal system also isn't protecting us i think now is many have to start educating themselves because what else can we do we've got it's got to the point where we are now being injected because covering our drink just isn't enough it, it, so i think it's, yeah. it's women are doing everything they can but it's not mm. women's faults no it it kind of speaks to um if i can you know I'm not wishing to put words in your mouth, but it kind of seems more systemic than you know. It, it 100 like, yeah. is. That's because that's because it is. Yeah, that um, uh, again, that's just that's just absolutely terrible. You know, at the end of the day, if the answer is oh, just cover your drink or 
um i, I know kind of the, the um you know the inje injecting um incidents that that i saw reported on the news because kind of the, the suggestion was you know i were you know wear a denim jacket so it's harder to, to inject you that's that can't Even be a solution start telling men more because yeah. the law isn't protecting us no and we're trying mm. to protect ourselves so we need men to start educating their friends because if every woman has a story it's yeah what else can we do we've done all we can yeah and and thank you that's uh, again it's a it's horrific um an horrific thing and it um just kind of beggars belief really and that's kind of the point of uh, of our of our podcast today was that we were talking about you know how is it that in a civilized society that actually you know potentially 50 percent of our population are at risk of this sort of um harassment and attack and maltreatment in public places and how is that and how is that not a thing people are screaming from the rooftops about it being about it going on um, Natasha, was there anything you wanted to add onto that one at all? Um, uh, other than echo everyone else's points and everything they've said, but also it is really hard to report instances and many don't feel like they're being taken seriously. But if you if something has happened and you do feel up to reporting it, I just still encourage people to do to do, to report it um, anyway, because even though it it could go and it could go to court and that could be another person prosecuted for what they've done. Um, and I guess that's kind of the only thing I'd like to add on to that is if you are able to and you feel up to it, then do try and go through the reporting process. Can I just add on to Natasha's point as well? Is sure. that even if it doesn't go anywhere, that will still be on a person's report. And so even if it doesn't go anywhere with what you've said, if that person's being seen and if there seems to be a pattern, that, that will go somewhere. Okay. Exactly for that. The more people that report it, the better chances of getting something done about it. Exactly that. Mm. So I guess that if every report generates at least a crime number, then the weight of statistics will, you know, will eventually, you know, will bear out the seriousness and the frequency of how often this this kind of thing is happening. Is that correct? Oh. You're both nodding, but I think until education is being brought in, mm. no. Okay. I, I mean... think it could. It it won't. It won't get rid of spiking or uh, violence entirely, but it's another thing that can help in this. I think it can raise the, the cases that are going forward and the possibility of more people getting prosecuted at least. It's making more people aware. That's the thing, isn't it? Mm. It's, we need more people to be aware and something more to be done about it. And, and in terms of things, you know, being done, one one of the things that struck me as we're having this discussion is there there are a relatively there aren't an enormous number of late night drinking venues in Portsmouth. What what sort of response are the are the club owners and the you know the people that organise the security at these venues? You know, how, how are they responding to these accusations? Can I've I been working with quite a few. Um, I've been working with some local venues and partners and they are wanting to help and they want to do what they can and they are quite receptive to this, which is really good. And a lot of them have got in spike prevention um, uh, tools and kits and that they've looked, we've kind of looked into how their door staff are trained and things like that. So everyone is very receptive and wanting to help out on this. It sounds at least a positive intent on, on the part of the owners. 
you know, he's again without naming the names of, of any venues um, so that we don't get sued. Um, <laughs> Emma, are there are, are you aware that there are whether there are what I call hotspots or particularly, you know, risky um, venues within Portsmouth? Um, there were a couple of on. <laughs> like again, like you say, without the risk of like sort of naming names or anything, um, there was a couple of clubs that actually came forward, and they were like sort of you know one in particular was being named. Um, that the stuff, you know, the smoking was happening there. Um, I did approach them myself, um, and their answer was when they get a police report that they will look at the CCT footage and they would do anything in their power to help. But obviously. Um, um, my niece actually got a message, an email from the police saying she didn't have any luck with the club PCT footage. So it was like they passed the buck. Yeah. So, it, so not an entirely kind of consistent message then about no. there's this thing happening in our venues. We need to do some. We need to do something about it. And. You know, uh, uh, since then, I have noticed and I have shared um, a couple of uh, things that have been posted on their walls, like sort of, you know, where they've, you know, said that they put this in place, that in place now. So I have um, advertised that they put things in place to, you know, make people more aware and feel safer. So, um, I mean, fingers crossed, um, it's, it's going to change a few things. But who knows? Thank you. Thank you. I, I guess you know we, we we all accept that one attack is, is is one attack too many. But do the do the statistics bear out that the you know the streets are are less safe now, or are we just you know uh, are, are we just becoming more aware of it as a society? So if I could ask Marion, you to pick that one up. I think people are hundred percent becoming more aware, and hopefully the right people are becoming more aware. Um, however, with statistics, we need to also remember who's coming forward. Like the statistics went out that hate crime has fallen. Hate crime hasn't fallen, it's just less people are reporting it. Um, like I think now more people are reporting when they get spiked. Um, I think that awareness shows women as well that it's not just them, it's happening to you, that is a lot of people. Um, but related to like the last question as well, I think a lot more training does need to be done in clubs, because um, anywhere for a woman to go can be dangerous. Any club for a woman to go to can be dangerous. Even walking the street as a woman can be dangerous. Mm. Um, but I also have male friends that work in certain places that have been grabbed by people, um, which is also not acceptable. Um, or people just like touching them and grabbing them and no one should be touched or grabbed without their consent. And I think, Bouncers need to be more aware of that. When I tend to go out, I tend to always talk to a bouncer and be like, I've got really bad anxiety. What can I do if this happens? I think being more aware of women's body language and their structure and how even how your eyes move in different ways could be a way for people to learn. Um, but I think it's just being more awareness. And I also think it has mm. happened since, since the visor lockdown, if I'm being honest. That's an interesting perspective. So you think the 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 release of lockdown has has led to people perhaps going significantly over the top? But I also think um, 
I may not always sit down and do my research because it's my reality. It's something that mm. would get affected on a day-to-day basis. It's something as small as doing research is something that you as men could do and actually see whatever's being targeted or the information is out there for you and you don't get affected by it in the same way. So I always say, if you're not affected by this certain thing, do the research on it because sometimes we're too busy just trying to survive to do our research. Um, makes absolute sense. Natasha, anything to add to that? Um, again, I don't know statistics on whether it's been more or less dangerous exactly, but I would agree that it, since lockdown, people people seem to not know social, like how to interact with I think it's appropriate to just grab and touch. And I think also there's a lot going on with people like people don't understand the people who are now old enough to be going out that weren't going out before and again think it's a social norm to be able to just touch people to be able to just kiss people to not take no for an answer and I do think that lockdown has played a bigger big part of this um and it is around education on people knowing what's acceptable what's not and what is going to like what's this, what's going to come of it if you do act in that way and how you you can ruin someone's nights lives careers how you can ruin yeah ruin people's lives and emma anything to add to that no i think basically covered that quite well perfect thank you okay so kind of thank you so following following on from that i guess you know is is the experience in portsmouth is that indicative of the country or or is you know how does how does this city com- compare to you know, compared to the you know the stories, even if you don't necessarily have the statistics, you know how how is that compared to the you know what you're hearing reported kind of out elsewhere? If I can uh, direct that first to Natasha, if that's all right. Oh, sorry, that froze for a moment. Was yeah, sorry. Did you did you, <laughs> did you sorry, get that? Or... Um, yeah. I would just with um yeah with how safe Portsmouth is in comparison to the rest of the country it's everywhere you go you feel the same it's not there'll be some areas that feel safer than others but it is the same in all cities and for exact statistics I don't know them and it'll probably be a question for the police on that one really yeah that's fine thank you did um Emma or uh, Mariam did you want to come in on that one at all I mean it, it... From what I, to be fair what I've heard is there's quite a lot going on in Plymouth with exactly the same um, things that are going, like obviously that going on in Portsmouth and Scotland. And so I'm assuming that it's literally exactly, it's just as bad for everyone. So, um, you know, uh, we'd go so far as to say it's a nationwide endemic. Yeah, nationwide, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Thank you. Mary, many... Yeah, so I think as a woman, we also realise that nowhere is literally safe for us, whether it's the workplace, a meeting, or going on a night out. Um, so I think asking the question such as, is Portsmouth safe for or not as safe as anywhere else seems like an, like an easy enough question. But as a woman, the truth is, nowhere is safe for us. Um, no matter where we go, there's always something we can run into, um, and we've always got to try and protect ourselves, yeah, even from yeah. those things. It's missable with someone thinking they can touch your leg, or I was at an event the other day, and someone thinking they could put their arm around my shoulder. It's just like, no. Um, I think teaching consent is such an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people relate consent to sex, and so have to, it can be something as simple as like the TV, the TV show, or whether your child wants a hug from someone. Um, 
and I think the younger we teach consent, hopefully the better outcome we will start seeing. Um, yeah. Just that kind of fundamental basic concept of, you know, consent. Yeah. yeah, consent. Just, you know, before you does the person have yeah. you asked the person do they want this? Do they not? And also understanding sometimes people aren't in the right state to give consent. I've had friends that have been absolutely plastered that want to get with me. I put them to bed, have sat on my floor for the night, eating pizza on my phone. Not because I didn't find them attractive, but because they were drunk and I was sober. And as a sober one, mm-hmm. I refuse to sleep with someone who's drunk. Indeed. And that's the, that's the, as you say, they're, they're not in a position to, to give their consent. So it's, you know, in a sense, it's informed non-consent. So therefore, it, it, you know. Okay, thank you. So if I could just ask about the role of social media um, in, in this situation, you know, is it a power for good that's, that's bringing women together and amplifying their voices to make these issues, um, you know, more real for the people, you know, like myself and Simon who haven't experienced it? Or, or does it, do you think it has a more, or more negative impact? Be interested, Emma, on your perspective on that. Um, given the fact that, like I said, it was my niece um, sharing a story on Snapchat that made me try to do this because so many people um, were like, when she put it on her Snapchat story of what had happened to her, she had so many inboxes from different women saying that the same thing had happened to them, which, like I said, made me, um, sort of prompted me to make the page to hopefully um, get more and more people to tell their stories, telling them that, you know, just because obviously my niece and a few of the other girls hadn't got any help from the police that they should still report it. So, yeah, I think it's a quite a good positive, um, you know, thing with social media because then obviously, you know, people know that they're not actually on their own, that they've got some more support. They're more likely to sort of, you know, um, go and report it when they know that they're not the only one. That's, that's excellent. Mariam, your thoughts? So, is social media helping in this area? Are people are, are people becoming more aware of the challenges that you face? I think social media works works well for women to understand that they're not by themselves. Um, but I think it only works if people diversify their feeds. So, how many women are you guys following that share stories or that share what happened on their own accord? Um, it being their choice to share. Or are you following people who are exactly like you? I think if you're a woman, you'll tend to you'll tend to follow people who share the same story as you. Um, you feel related to you, feel understood, and that aspect is great. Um, but if you're a man, I'd I'd advise you to join and follow more groups where women openly talk about this because they want to, and it's their choice to learn more. So it's it's the good and it's the bad. Um, and I think there are some people who need to follow more women to learn more. Thank you. And Natasha? Yeah, with social media, there's two sides of it because anyone can have a voice and a platform on social media. So for victims and wanting to raise awareness, it's amazing that voices can be heard and people can be listened to. But at the same time, there are people that could be promoting the complete opposite messaging on that social media and having the complete opposite effect to what we want and promoting violence and promoting hate and promoting misogyny. And so it's really a hard one with social media, but when it's used well, it's amazing, and it can it can really get across a good message and rally the troops, and get, and we can get make change. But there's just the fear of everyone has social media and everyone has a platform because of it. 
Do, do you think, though, that the you know that we are becoming more intolerant of intolerance? Um, you know, I, I've been on social media for a number of years, and and you know, again, my observation is, uh, and this is just a personal perspective, that those people who hold extremist views, there is a small vocal minority that are prepared, you know, to share those views openly, but but I feel that you know, as a whole, that the, the majority are, are, are becoming more emboldened to say, no, that isn't acceptable. Um, I think I'd like to change the word instead of intolerance to more people learning and becoming more educated. Mm. Um, and maybe people forget we all grow up in different areas, all see different things, um, which shapes who we are. So I think I want to change that word to more people learning. Um, as for there being less, less and less like less hate, um, I know when we put on an event, we will get 300 negative comments on Portsmouth news. So those people are out there. It's just that mm. they can just stay within their own circle. But I do believe that a lot more people are learning and are starting to stand up for what's right. And that gives me hope. Thank you. That's uh, hope is always a good thing. Hope is a great thing. As long as you've got hope, you can still keep going. Uh, absolutely. Out there that will fight for people that don't like you. And that's what we've got to remember. There are people who will stand up for what's wrong and people that will get in between somewhere and, and help protect people. As much as the world is scary and horrible and tough, um, hope is what you've got to hold on to, that things will eventually change. I can be positive too. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a it's a key point. I think that you know, you know, to what you spoke to earlier on, um, it's a healthier thing to to have people in your feed, um, in your you know in your social media feed that um, are from a different selection of you know different different backgrounds of different experiences, and actually have different views to you because just surrounding yourself with people that agree with you all the time. How you gets, learn gets gets yeah exactly you don't learn anything from people that always agree with you right so you know in that respect that's a that's a good thing but sometimes it is I guess it can be quite dispiriting to see some of the some of the torrent of comments that you see on places like the you know the um, the Portsmouth Evening News's comments section on their Facebook page um, and although those people might shout a lot and shout often um, hopefully they're just a large gobby minority hopefully. Um, and actually we are you know moving forward so um thank you so um obviously you know um accepting that you know it's a it's a fundamental acceptance really that women should be it should be safe for women to to walk streets you know after dark as a um you know what what advice would you want people to take away to try and help themselves um, and we completely agree with you, the point that you made earlier on, that actually it shouldn't be up to them to be keeping themselves to be safe. It should be about other people just not attacking them. Thanks very much. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, that kind of seems like the, you know, the rather obvious kind of call out and no brainer. But are there, is there any advice that you'd, you'd, you'd want to share to, to people to help them be, be safer? And, and that first to, um, to Marion, please. Um. tell your friends not to abuse rape and the spike. I think it's been shown that women can do as much as we want to. We can have our mm -hmm. keys in between our fingers. We can travel in groups, someone can still get lost. 
um, we can share taxis. We can get a taxi home by ourselves and still get abuse on a taxi. Um, the truth is, there's we can try doing everything we want and we still have no idea. Um, so we're still we've even got drink covers now and spiking with needles has come out after we've covered our drinks. So there's more and more things coming out the more we try to protect ourselves at this point. I say, no, just teach consent and teach people not to spike. Talk to your male friends. If they say something that sounds like a joke, that isn't a joke, you need to call them out on it. We need to start calling people out on it. That's the only way to truly keep us safe now because if you hear your guy friend saying, yeah, I, sh I had sex with this girl the other day, she was wasted. You need to call him out, you need to ask him about it because we're the ones who are going through it. It's, it's or I put something into this girl's drink instead of ha ha ha, no, call them out on it. Mm. Call them out because we, we're doing everything we can and it's still clearly not working. And the law doesn't look after us and it's hard for venues to look after us as it is. Thank you. Um, um, Emma, did you have anything you wanted to wanted to add to that one? No, I think she said um, everything. But I mean, again, like you said, it's just basically that we've, we, us women, we've got to stay vigilant. Um, we've got to be more aware of like our surroundings when we go out. And I, I do really agree. I, it's it's not fair that we have to do it all. You know, we, we can't go out and enjoy ourselves. So again, um, basically, speak to your friends. Get your friends to make them more aware of. You know, it's not funny. It's not. You know, it's not a joke. You can actually kill somebody by spiking them. Um, you know, people. You know, people have died from being spiked, and it's not a funny. It's not a joke. Um, you know, it's just basically glad to be fair. Like I said it's the same as what Miriam's just said. It's just make being more vigilant, really, when we go out. Indeed, thank you. Um, and Natasha, anything more on that one? Um, no, she covered it quite well. We can't keep telling people to to cover their drinks and to get attacked home because you're constantly put in dangerous positions either way. Yeah, I, um, I, and thank you. And I, I guess kind of, you know, that I mean, apart from how horrendous it is that women are having to actually find we ways to protect themselves from uh, from those sorts of, um, you know, those sorts of random uh, attacks. That must be absolutely I, um, bloody exhausting to right? to try I'm and, you know, to try and live that, that one, well. you know. Sorry, go on. Um, I always say you will find that some people are uncomfortable. Here's the thing. Uncomfortable doesn't kill you. Uncomfortable just means you feel weird and funny about something. But if you've made someone uncomfortable, they can learn from that. That's a good thing. No one has died from being uncomfortable about hearing something, either about their racial bias or their patriarchal bias. Mm -hmm. um, but it's actually benefited them in learning something. So don't be scared about telling someone something that might make them uncomfortable if it's going to protect someone else. Okay, thank you. That's really powerful. And I, th I think that leads us on on to the next, you know, our next question, which is that, and I think you touched on it there, you know, which women have done everything they practically can to protect themselves. Um, and, and practical questions of, of what men, you know, what, what do men need to learn and and how can they act as allies in this way and i guess my other question to that is is do you believe this is a this is a generational thing this is this is a this is a, a, a particularly with the spiking this is a this is a, a, a young person's you know 
an, an, an area. So I'll probably not phrase that very well. But yeah, in terms of what do men need to learn and what could we all do differently? Um, can I throw that one out to, um, can I throw that to you, Marion? Um, can I flip that around on you asking? Of course you can. Um, so you said generational, um, but every generation has had rape. And I feel like where things have moved so forward in life, spiking has been is being done in different ways. Like we use social media in different ways. Um, so mm. to call it a generational issue, I'd want to call it a man's issue. And I'd like to say to you, what as as a man, what do you think you've learned? What do you think you can do? It's very well asking women, and this is different because of the space we're in. We've come to talk, um, mm. but I want to know as a man, what do you think you can do? What do you think can be done? Yeah, and uh, you know, if you're asking me personally, you know, from 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 my perspective, you know, I I now work in a world where and live in a world where, you know, late night clubs and and you know that that those kind of environments are alien to me. But I, I have two sons who are 21 and 18, and you know, brought them both up to to respect women and to you know to, to treat them appropriately and respect their choices. And I think that that's you know that that for me is evident. And again, what, whatever little I can do, you know, personally with you know like with the podcast that we've got and with you know the social media platforms that I frequent, it, it, it is about being very clear on where those where those lines lie and and reinforcing that message and and it's the the reason why i ask the generational question is because the the concept of injecting somebody to incapacitate them to force yourself upon them sexually is just such an alien concept to me i i can't you know uh, look i'm old i'm 52 in quote unquote my generation that wasn't and never was a thing so I, I i'm almost at a loss to understand how somebody can think uh, a it's and uh, it, it, it's okay to do it and b that they'd even be prepared to discuss that they're doing it and i think as you touched on in your previous answer that some of their friends would find that just a bit of a lark I think that was quite a good response. I think also with your son is talking to them more. And I just want to say there's a comment from um, Colin and no comment. I'm aware that guys are spiked too and it's horrific and it's wrong. I know that females do it as well. Um, the reason I call it a man's problem is looking at statistics is that it is a lot of men doing that. However, if you have been spiked or abused as a man as well, please do go to parks and get the help and please do speak out. I know it is harder for men to speak out and that's because of patriarchal issues. Um, that's because of how men have treated other men. It doesn't make you any less of a victim. And men can be a victim too. So no woman who's a feminist has ever said men can't be victims. Um, and I, I do urge, like, if you can, do report it because you might be the voice that other men need to hear to know that they are victims. Um, no one's ever said that a man can't be a victim. It's just looking at statistics. It's very clear that every woman has a story, whereas every man might not have a story. But that does not make you any less of a victim. And I do urge you that ha does happen to you. Please don't be embarrassed. Please go get counselling at Parks. Um, it's one of the best things you can do um, to help yourself and know your own mind as well. And if you can, try and report. 
and don't stand for it. If a girl's touched you in a club, go and report that as well. I have friends that work as bouncers that have been grabbed in clubs. One of my best friends is a rugby player who got grabbed. Um, and I went to go tell a bouncer with him in a certain club, I'm not going to say what club. And the bouncer said, what do you want me to do about it? Um, I went up to the bouncer after and went, if I said that happened to me, it will be completely different. So I know that our girls out there stand up for you guys that have been spiked as well, while realising that too many women have similar stories. I don't know if that helps in any way. That's very helpful, Marion. Um, so in terms of that question, is it, you know, what, what can men do to be more supportive? Natasha? Yeah, so this isn't just for members, this is for everyone, just being an ally um, and being an active bystander. So noticing when um, women people look uncomfortable, when behaviour is wrong, calling it out. Like there's three, um, three approaches to it. So you've got direct, delegate and distract. So direct would be just going straight to the situation, calling it the behaviour out and saying it's not okay. Distract would be creating diversion to remove the, the victim from the situation. And the delegate would be in a situation where it's not safe to be direct or distract to actually get someone else involved, such as the police, or if you're in a club, a security member of staff and get them to deal with the situation. And I think learning, learning the social cues, learning what's okay, how, what looks like um, someone's uncomfortable, what looks like someone's in danger and learning and how you can actually intervene and help someone out. I think that's the most you can do. And even things just, just look out for everyone else as if, yeah, be an ally. Brilliant. Emma, anything to add there? No, not too much. Perfect. Okay, so um, so our, our last question, um, which is a, um, a bit of a rhetorical one, which is the, so the, so some of the, we've had some ridic ridiculous suggestions in our time, the, the one about flagging down a bus um, if, a, if a woman needs assistance. Um, is that is that the most ridiculous suggestion? Or, God, are there worse ones? Are there even more ridiculous suggestions? Um, if I can ask that um, first to Natasha. Oh, absolutely ridiculous. To flag down a bus if you're feeling unsafe with the... Is it with the officer, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that, that, that was the context of the suggestion, wasn't it? Is that if you yeah. feel that the police officer that's um, trying to arrest you um, isn't basically a, an on-duty police officer that has the authority to arrest you, then mm. you should flag down a bus. There is so many reasons why that's wrong. <laughs> Firstly, you should be able to trust your officer. So, mm -hmm. Secondly, how easy is it to flag down a bus? Not very. No. <laughs> if you feel like you're in a dangerous position, I don't think you're going to be able to flag down a bus. And also... Just, yeah, I can't remember what the point was. There was another one, but I just find it utterly ridiculous that to even suggest that a bus is going to stop and understand the situation. And the chances are the bus driver will believe the police officer over themselves, over yourself, sorry. And mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I thought it was an utterly ridiculous suggestion. It, it did kind of beg a belief a bit. Um, um, other people might use different words. Um, Emma, did you want to... Um, have a response on that one at all? Well, considering that came from our Prime Minister, it's quite a thought, it was quite funny, really, considering that, you know, if he's going to come out with something that's so ridiculous, how is the police going to take anything that's going on seriously? Indeed, yeah. So, you know, we've kind of called yeah. out that it's a that it's a ridiculous suggestion, but, yeah, you, you make yeah. a serious and valid point that actually for someone in a position of power to make such a... 
a ridiculous suggestion um kind of speaks to how seriously or doesn't doesn't help people understand that they're taking the situation seriously does it 100%. um mariam anything to add on that one um it's funny because i feel like some of the black community have been saying like how um unsafe police can be for us um at certain times one of my mom's best friends um leon Briggs, was actually um died in police custody um so as a black woman, it's never been something new that the police can be dangerous to me. It's at the same time, while I have to work with them as being part of BLM. Um, but no, I think that was probably the joke of the year. But was I surprised? To be frank, no, because the people that say this and the people that give these options don't walk in our shoes and don't live our life. So was I surprised? Absolutely not. Thank you. So would like to thank you all for um for contributing to what is a you know is, is a very serious topic and, and and thank you all for for sharing so openly your different stories just as we come to the end of the end of the show just want to give you all a final chance just uh, is there anything that you you'd like to add or you think that our our listeners would benefit from knowing or learning and can i start with natasha um i think kala covered a lot i just um, there's been a lot of work we're doing as well and we're continuing doing from the union side for um, not just for students for the general area and trying to just put a safety mission into place and ensure we can help as much as we can uh, through our safety. Perfect and Mariam any final thoughts from yourself? Um, I think don't be afraid to make people feel uncomfortable to protect other people speak out and men just start learning more start learning more Thank you. And finally, Emma, anything you'd like to add? Um, I mean, like I said, it's been valid points, hasn't it? A lot about keeping us women safe, but I am on, like, sort of, you know, I believe that we should be keeping people safe. Um, so it's just making more people aware of what's going on and we're hoping that people will come forward um, when they've been spiked, um, males and females, and hoping that we can get more in place. Due from this, hopefully, this will push more people to come forward. And and, and hopefully that whole momentum that it's just as I said it's such an alien concept to me that that I you know there is one it, more it, thing I want to say if it's okay of course um, you can so this is to women men or anyone that has been abused just know that it's part of your story but it does not make you you um it it's not you it's just part of what's happened to you it doesn't change your morals your ethics and who you are. Mariam, I think that's a, that's a perfect place to end the show. So thank you for that. And thank you to all of our guests. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guests have been from the um, Students' Union of Portsmouth University. And Natasha Laley. Thank you. And from Spikeware Portsmouth. Emma Cherry. Thank, thank you very much. And from Black Lives Matter Portsmouth. Mariam Daniel. Thank you both. Thank you all. Um, I've been Simon Sansbury, and if you'd like to join us next week, um, where our show is um, in Faceless Mob, we'll be asking whether internet anonymity is is a freedom worth the price of uh, faceless uh, online abuse, um, whether elected 
representatives um, should be able to take second jobs and whether keeping elected representatives safe or more distant from the public is damaging or protecting our democracy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa. Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>